straight out of Austin, Texas. It's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, Statesman Sports Columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first, On Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 316, brought to you by Hook'em.com and our good friends at Bud Light. Cedric Golden here with a couple of my favorite people on God's green earth, Kirk Bowles and OB, Olin Buchanan at Tex Ags, joining us, friend of the podcast, the Aggies need a new coach, and OB's here to tell us who's it going to be, and um, we're going to talk a little Iowa State, Texas later. Just be patient. Be patient with the fellas. Because there was news out of College Station. Jimbo Fisher's out. And who's going to be in? OB, what's the temperature in College Station right now? Mm, tepid? <laughs> um, it, it cooled off uh, sometime Sunday morning. <laughs> not, not as angry. They got to be hopeful, oh. right? And now they just keep looking for the forecast uh, uh, for an update. And I don't think anybody really knows how to feel yet. I mean, you know, they're glad to move on. Think, think, uh, I mean, this might seem harsh. Think uh, John Makovic in Austin when people were ready for to move on, right? Uh, that, like I said, except that Jimbo's actually a, a likable guy. And John won something. He won the Big 12. Well, there's that too. Um, uh, where did John finish? What was his best finish in the final rankings? If, oh, uh, you mean like top 25? Yeah, because Jimbo did get a number four final ranking. That was good. Yeah. I don't know, but we only count championships. Texas never got up that high, did they? No. Uh-uh. So so th- the point is that um, it probably feels something like it. Maybe it feels kind of like the way it felt with Mac, except Mac had been there so much longer. And he, oh, had a, yeah. he did have a national championship, so it was probably harder to let him go, right? To say Mac, Mac was a Texas legend. Yeah, he's so been hard. to the mountaintop. So, um, yeah, and and um, <clears throat> oh, yeah, Mac got you to the mountaintop. Jimbo got us kind of like up to the. <laughs> I don't know. You could you got a scenic overlook. The right? first watering station he got you to. So no, it was a little bit higher than that, but you, but, you could see the top of the mountain, maybe. But definitely the, the uh, Did he get you to the Red Sea and? And then, um, like like Moses, tap up, and but the waters didn't part. Yeah, I think he got you to the part where he could see it. He could see the promised land, but was not a, able to cross into it. So okay, so came, what didn't what didn't work? Why didn't Jimbo work? Because obviously, and that's an open book test. If there ever was one, I mean, everybody knows what it is—the offense. The offense was uh, has become kind of passe, I guess, and archaic, very predictable. I right. mean, they had Devon A chain last year and won five games. Hey, think about this. I just thought about it today. Um, and, and I like Jimbo. I hate to be so harsh, but you got to call a spade a spade, right? So last year, you had Devon. You had an offense with Devon A chain, Evan Stewart, and. Uh, Anaya Smith, and you scored seven points against Appalachian State with that offense. It happens. Does it? Does it? It doesn't. I here. It I, I got once. it. It ain't supposed to happen. So the offense, the issue is is. Um, I remember once reading uh, our friend Ron Higgins over in uh, Baton Rouge, uh, mm-hmm. and he was calling for a change in the uh, uh, coach with Les Miles because his offense was, was just so Stone Age, he was calling it. I yes. Yeah, I don't know if that's the situation I call it Stone Age or Ice Age or whatever, but it definitely wasn't um, It wasn't up to date. I, my analogy was, hey, and, and I guess I understood it to a certain degree, Jimbo's on his horse. He won the Kentucky Derby on a two-year-old like everybody does. It is two-year-olds that run the Kentucky Derby, right? But now he's on a he's on a six-year-old horse, 
And everybody's saying, hey, man, that's not fast enough anymore. You can't win with it. He says, hey, he says, no, you don't know what you're talking about. I, I've won on this horse, and I'm feeding it the very same oats, and I'm hitting it with the same riding crop, and I've got the same uh, training regimen. By God, I can win with this horse. And they're saying, no, you know, you need to update that horse. And, uh, that might work at Louisiana Downs. It at Churchill, fam. You're in the SEC, fam. It's not working. In so, the but he had he had the horses. He had the horses. He, I mean, that. It, well, you say class, that. You say. Wait that. a minute. The 2022 class number one. Mm-hmm. Oh, of all time, yeah. not number one in 2020. Of all 18 players, top hundred in the nation. Mm-hmm. How many five star players? In, I think there was nine. I think eight or nine. How many do they have now on the team? Do you know? Uh, well, let's see. Connor Wigman, probably six. Connor Wigman. Uh, I figured it'd be a lot more than six. You th- you thought you think it's a lot more? Well, they had all those D linemen. That they- well, yeah, and, and one of them left. One of them's at USC. Right. And, and uh, you know, Chris Marshall left and went to Ole Miss, and then he got kicked off there. And Denver Harris left and went to LSU. And apparently, what I've been told, he's in. Uh, he's in the doghouse there, inactive. Right. Last thing I heard, they they may have activated him, but um, but they still have Connor Wigman. They still have uh, Evan Stewart. They still have Gabriel Brownlow, Dindy, and Walter Nolan, and uh, uh, LT Overton. They, they've had talent. They've had talent. And my, and and my favorite, now. my favorite player on the team, Edrin Cooper. Is still is still. He was a four star guy who's having who's this year he stepped forward. You know, it was only this is second year, and I think, yeah, I think he should be an All American. And you can say I'm biased, but just look at his number. I've seen him three times. He leaps off the screen every time I see him. Every time I I think he's an All American too. I think so. uh, You know, it's almost ob like you're describing a culture problem. He had discipline problems. He kind of lost the locker room. Maybe it wasn't a very cohesive team and. Was he just collecting talent and not concerned with chemistry? Well, I don't think he was not concerned with it. I think, uh, and I think the chemistry no, issue was, I think that was a bigger issue last year than this year. I mean, I was watching them at, at Ole Miss, right? And they're down 14 0, and Ole Miss is driving. And I didn't see a team that quit, and they kept playing hard, and they came back, dang near won it. But that's what you say about. Uh, the Jimbo Fisher regime. They dang near won a lot of games. Alabama. Uh, but Right. But they for two years in a row, right? And uh, so I didn't see a team that ever quit on him or on anybody else. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that speaks to a good culture that when you're behind, you know, your guys keep playing hard, right? Yeah. I think it was just uh, – I think it was simply that the offense is too predictable and maybe even too complicated. And the reason I come out, I'll give you an example of why I think it might be too complicated. I mean, I've, I've heard other people say this, but so against Ole Miss, and that was the final straw, by the way, uh, they take the second half, they're down 21 7, I'm mean, 21 14. They take the second half kickoff, bam, 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 right down the field. Got for, did you? I, I know y'all are at another game, so you get We're watching. We're, we're watching. watching. We're watching. Okay, so it's first and go at the five. And Max Johnson throws an interception. Yep. Uh, Anaya Smith is running a slant, which they often do with him because he's great at it. And Max throws, looks like he thought uh, Anaya was going to go deeper into the end zone. So he throws it to the back and it gets intercepted, right? And they clearly weren't on the same page. You see him trying to argue about it, figure. And here's Anaya who's in his. He's a what fourth, maybe fifth year, fifth year senior, and uh, Max has been playing college football for four years. This is his second year with A and M, and he's a junior. So you have all these these two very experienced guys, and they're still not on the same page on a first and goal at the five. And I think it's because they're like, hey. Here's where the defensive back is. So in this thing, I'm supposed to do this. And he said, well, the defensive back's not exactly here. He's kind of over here, and he's supposed to be here. One time uh, uh, last year or the year before, when I started thinking, okay, I'm I'm not following this, Jimbo was talking about a play that didn't work. 
And he said, well, the pass was supposed to go to the receiver here. I hope you can see me here. Yeah. Here. But it was thrown here. And I'm yeah. thinking, wait, are you You're telling me? It was uh, you, for the audio people. He, he said the pass was supposed to go like like six uh, inches, yeah, like six inches in front of of your front shoulder instead of six inches back. toward your back shoulder. And I'm thinking, are you telling me your offense is 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 so precise that you have to if if the ball is thrown still on the receiver but just a foot either way that it's that it's not going to work? No, so, no way. I got. I got a question for you. How much of this is the fact that so much of college football has gone to dual threat quarterbacks? You look at Jaden Daniels at LSU. You look at Bo Nix at Oregon. You know, you, you know, Dylan Gabriel beat the hell out of Texas with his legs. He ran over 100 yards. They they want to give up 100 yards to one other running back, and he's the quarterback. You remember how we talked forever about Kellen Mond? He wouldn't let him run. Right. You think a big part of it. Was a big part of it not embracing a dual threat quarterback possibility, Olin? I think so. Um, I, I, I think so. And maybe he was trying to keep Kellen healthy, and maybe it was smart considering that he can't can't keep a, a healthy quarterback since. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know what? So they start last week. They start their third string quarterback who hadn't played. I think he came in for like a play or two against New Mexico, but other than that, he hadn't thrown a pass. In two years, for Fresno State as a backup against uh, against San Jose State, he completed one pass for five yards. Yeah, right. He comes in first play he runs is a twelve yard gain. Everything's wide open. The kids running. The kids. He starts making pa uh, plays off, you know, uh, sprint outs and all things like that. And A and M looks like a completely different offense now. Mm. Nobody's actually said it, but the word we're kind of getting is that finally it was like, hey, Bobby, you run the offense. And it, and they look completely different. It looked like guys that were just playing instead of thinking like, okay, this guy's lined up here, so I'm supposed to do this. But if he does this, I'm supposed to do this, you know, all this stuff. And, and, and here's the deal. You can say, yeah, but Mississippi State is terrible. And they mm -hmm. are terrible. But defensively, they are at least respectable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So – um. Uh, you know, and we'll see where they go from here. But I do think that what's the point of having like a Haynes King that you, you talk about how fast he is all the time mm -hmm. if you're not going to let him run? And, no, definitely. And you know what? You know, Jameis Winston was was more of a pocket passer than a true. threat. And maybe that's what he thought was the formula to win it all in his system and – that might be a classic example of a coach not not catering his system to the talents of his players. Well, look yeah. what Alabama did. Yeah, and Sam, you're right. Look at that Steve, kid now. He completely different than he was against Texas. Well, what he, he did was, was trying to read defenses. Yeah. Why are we them. asking him to do something he can't do, or he struggled? Not can't, but he but he doesn't do extremely well. Why That's, don't we? And now he's throwing about twenty passes a game. Perfect. And, and and he's running, and why not? Now I don't think A and M has a dynamic runner like like Milrow, who by the way would have came to come to A and M, but uh, Jimbo Fisher instead uh, chose Eli Stowers, who's now at New Mexico State. Um, hey hey, don't give me that, y'all. You know it's not like they haven't done that over there. Do I need do I need to throw, throw out a name of a certain quarterback from White Right? <laughs> Go down the list. Swoops. Don't you drop a bomb on Tyrone Swoops, who was the <laughs> next Vince Young. Don't you do that, all of you, Kevin. Okay, let's get he back on next Vince Young. Okay. Let's talk about the future. Okay. Right. Ross Bork outlined what he's looking for. Well, he did. About well, he had about 32 things on right. his list. He has a, more so, boxes to check than so let me ask you, OB. Uh give me like the top three. Three priorities you think that are real and don't start with academic uh, devotion. Okay, what what do you think the top three things Ross Bork is looking for in a successor? Which boxes? Uh, I think when he said a recruiting machine, he meant that. Right. Uh, an offensive coach meant that, and or organizational skills. Man, if you've ever seen a team that's disorganized, and you know what? He didn't say it, but I th think that what falls under – one of the things that falls under organizational skills to me 
is uh, good special teams. Because I think mm-hmm. when you see bad special teams, a lot of times it's because there's disorganization and A&M special teams aren't very good. Right. And so, so and he wanted people skills too. Yeah, didn't people he? skills. You know, when you live in College Station, uh, it's like most college towns. You know, it's, uh, unlike Austin, there's was a million people here. There's 200,000 with, the, the, with both uh, towns together, Bryan and College Station. You're going to go out, you're going to run into people, and they're going to know who you are, and they're going to say, Hey, coach, how's it going? And that's what R.C. Slocum was so great at because he could say, uh-huh. he could say, well, hey, thank you for your uh, for your uh, support, and now now I got to go figure out a way to beat those Longhorns. So thank you for you know and get out of it, but at least acknowledge them and yeah. be part of the community. He would show up at a if A and M had a big baseball game, you know, hey, R.C. Slocum's in the in the in the stands. He's uh-huh. at the basketball. Uh, so I think they'd want to find mm-hmm. a coach that's. That's good. I think that is actually important. Yeah, it is. I think it is. But let me you you mentioned offensive coach. Does that eliminate Mike Elko, who no. I think is great? No, because I think you can get a defensive coach that's willing to get a, a, a an offensive coordinator that hey, let me what's your offensive system like? Okay, I like it. All right, you go run it. And I'm gonna be on the headset, and sometime I might say, Hey, let, I, I want to work the clock here. So call, call some plays along it, or hey, let's push it, okay? But for the most part, uh, you know, look, I never want the coach, the head coach, not to have any say in it, because I saw an A and M team with a thirty-four point lead in the fourth quarter and kept uh, kept throwing. And maybe if you had a head coach that would have said, "Hey, uh, let's dial it down and run on some clock here," it would have been a good thing, right? But is that UCLA? Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, it was UCLA. So, so I would just say, uh, yeah, if you if Mike Elko came in and said, "Look, uh, I'm going to hire the best offensive coordinator I can get, and I'm going to let him run that offensive show," then it, I think off being offensive minded doesn't mean that necessarily mean that you have to be an offensive coach. Uh, the be, uh, Nick Saban's a defensive coach. Yes. Herbie, <laughs> he didn't have a problem bringing in Lane Kiffin, yeah. or or that Arthur. guy in your town, Sarkeesian, uh, and who knows about Tommy Reese? But they did make Bill the Bill O'Brien. Uh, I don't think you want to bring that one up. I don't. I don't think that helps your argument. <laughs> so oh, he's, uh, doing, hey, he's doing a great job with the New England Patriots. Thank you. Yeah, yeah they're, <laughs> they're a juggernaut. So is Elko the not. leader in the clubhouse? What is Elko the leader in the clubhouse? I have no idea. You know, it's funny. Um, I hear so many names right now. It's like uh, it, it's crazy. It's like a it's like a roll call. I yeah. say, here, drop, drop, drop those names. Who, who are you hearing, fam? Oh gosh, man! It looks like an old an old fashioned phone book, uh, Tyler phone book from back in the day. Uh, <laughs> white pages. You got Elko, uh, Glenn Schumann. Uh, how about this one? How about how's this guy? Urban Meyer. No, uh, don't. Hey, 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 the SEC, you're going to figure this out. You're going to learn it next year. The SEC is the conference of redemption. Oh That's where, God. look at all the coaches that have had, do I need to say anything but Hugh Freeze? Where, hey, okay, all is forgiven. Come on back. Uh, Reno comes back. And, and, uh, Brian Kelly. Uh, Brian Kelly. And, you know, remember what happened in Notre Dame in practice? You know, uh, DJ Durkin. Uh uh, uh even, even Lane Kiffin, right? So, but anyway, how about how about Dan Campbell? Yeah. And if Dan won't come home, and I wouldn't blame him if he didn't, how about his defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn? Exactly. Or uh Kalen DeBoer, Jeff Trailer. DeBoer ain't leaving. Jonathan Smith. Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. He played quarterback there. Can you try him? Trailer. Director Trailer would walk to college station from San Antonio. Mm-hmm. They might even keep Elijah Robinson. I don't think they will. He's the interim coach. I don't think they will. But you know what? what? I'm sorry. I closed the door because the dog is howling. Um, What is hiring the big names got you? They hired, you know, they got Dennis Francione to come away from Alabama. Oh, my God, look what A&M did. Well, then then you're saying, well, look what they didn't do. Hey, they hired Jimbo Fisher. Oh, look what they did. Okay, it didn't work out. Okay, so then they went and got the up-and-comer, Kevin Sumlin. Well, that didn't work out. Hey, well, let's get a coach from the NFL, Mike Sherman. Well, that didn't work out. So, uh, 
at this point, if you said, if you said Mike Elko, hey, all right. Now, now here's the big name, right? And and they're not going to get them. They knew they know it. They're not even approaching. It's too expensive, which is crazy, but it, for AM, but it's true. Uh Dan Lanning, right? If you told me Dan Lanning or Elijah Robinson, at this point, I think I would, and I think every other Aggie would have the same reaction. They'd go, okay. Let's see what he does. Because now it, it doesn't do you any good to get all pumped up. Look who we got. Because the guys you brought in, you know, haven't haven't um haven't panned out. And it's kind of like, well, let me ask you guys something. Really and seriously, was there ever a coach that came in with more hype than Tom Herman going to Texas? I mean, oh, if he goes, he's gonna. They're gonna get him for LSU. Gets him and all this, saying, "Oh, this guy." I kept hearing this guy's the next great coach, and he's a Mensa member, and 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 it didn't pan out. So it's not Mac, always gonna. And be. Mac Brown, he Mac Brown moved heaven and earth to get to that pressure, to to give him that push, and so, yeah. so the point but I just David, made. Hey, David McWilliams was came in with more hype. He was the favorite son. It was going to reunite the national family. national hype. Oh, yes. I know. That's well, so in fact, people were curious about Mac, but if you look at Trailer, Trailer to me would be the perfect guy because he came from the high school system. The high school community loves him. He's he is as much like RC Slocum as you could find, and you know, but, but he's more proven you. than Elijah. So, and you don't hire somebody on a staff you just fired. Uh, not usually, but uh, tell, that, tell that to Clemson. I don't right. think did they fire the guy? Was it Tommy? Yeah, Tommy, Tommy, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think? Rare, rare, though. Huh? I'm not saying it never happened, but it's pretty rare. It is. It is. I and I'm not even. I'm not even saying they're going to hire Elijah. Right. I'm saying at this point, if you hire him or anybody else, the reaction is okay. Go, you know, go win. Do something for for us. Um, my own, I have one issue with Jeff Trailer. What's that? He's from Gilmer. Yes. I'm from White Oak. White Oak and Gilmer. He's you know, from Orange, right? We don't see eye to eye in White Oak and Gilmer. But if Barely, at the end of the day, huh? what? At the end of the day, if you want to get somebody from Upshur County, um, if they bring him in here, then okay. Then my we'll mother-in-law taught Jeff Trailer. What's that? My mother-in-law taught him in elementary school. All right. Well, then he can't be all bad. So you don't think he'd be a good hire? No, I do think he would be. I do, I'm playing. I think he'd be. A, hey. I, but but again, if you hire Jeff Trailer or Mike Elko or or Dan Campbell or Urban Meyer, the the I'm just saying that now you say okay, just, we're we're like we're from Missouri. Show me. Uh, yeah. Go out and, and speaking of Missouri, maybe they should hire Eli Drinkwitz. He's terrific. I like him. He's good. Yeah. Oh, or, yeah. And, uh, uh, but maybe he doesn't, you know, maybe he doesn't want to leave. You know, he's got to, you know, what Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell only makes four million a year. Uh, I'd tell him <laughs> I'll get eight million for seven years. No, and, uh, Dan you got stability. Dan Campbell's hey, hey, phone is already rang and he sure. is negotiating a humongous raise. Learn from your mistake. You just said, you just said seven years. Learn from your mistake. I'll <laughs> give you four, maybe five years. Because every coach deserves to have a their first recruiting class to be able to develop. Sure. Uh, so learn from your mistakes. Don't hostage yourself anymore with with this ridiculous uh, uh, contract that was not, by the way, done by the uh, athletic director. I think there was guys uh, higher than him that said, "Hey, yeah, we need to do this." Uh, quit trying to the make same guys that came up with the seventy-six million dollar buyout. <laughs> You know what? Let me say this, and and you guys can tell me why I'm stupid for saying this. I still think A and M did the right thing, not not for the ten years guaranteed, uh, but the right thing by saying, "Hey, we're going to pay a lot of money to get the coach that we identify as the right guy." And if it doesn't work out, fine, we move on. But let's go all in and try to make this, uh, try to do what it takes to 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 be on the same par with Alabama and Georgia and LSU and teams like that. So I applaud them for that. I think yeah. the mistake was, again, you just – you can't give somebody 10 years guaranteed. 
You know, yeah. okay, if you want to, and, and and then say, all right, uh, put it in your contract. Every year you win ten games, you get mm -hmm. a year extension. Or you just know, give them some money. Just give them a million dollar bonus. Yeah, you don't really have to call in. But, but hey, if you give me a ten, if 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 you give me a ten win season, okay, we can we can add enough. You know, we can give you a year extension for for as a reward. I think, but I think all college. Uh, colleges, not just Texas A&M, needs to start looking at, at these coaches' contracts and saying, you know, yeah, we're going to pay your market and, and, and some places above market. You know, Texas is always going to pay top dollar. a and going to pay top dollar, Alabama. So do that. But, uh, you know, the the you know nothing guaranteed for a decade because sometimes, uh, look, I thought like – Jimbo's predecessor, I thought he got a huge contract and put it on cruise control. Mm -hmm. Maybe he didn't. Maybe if he's here, he'd say I'm wrong. But that's the way it sure looked to me. Hey, that's I got wrong just because he recruited so well. I, you know, I just think for whatever reason it, it didn't work. You know, but I'm like I'm with you. Don't give these outlandish extensions, that sort of thing. But I tell you guys, I was all in on Jimbo when they hired him. I mean, I station radio, go to suck. I go, you pay whatever you need to pay to get the guy you want. Yeah, you pay it, you pay it, and yeah. that got him here. And I was like, okay, now let's see what he does. Uh, I don't extend him after one good year. I don't do that no, because no. he's make already a top five paid coach. Well, well, as a matter of fact, what's the word the kids use now about guys that are always trying to? Uh, do whatever the girl tells them. A simp, right? Is that the word they use now? Simp. Use that Stop. back in the day too. Okay. Well, I'm, you know, I go further back than you do. Uh, Stop being a simp to the coaches and the agents. You know what? In retrospect, now there's two ways to look at this. In retrospect, they should have when when Jimbo got the uh, had that nine and one season. One of the Orange Brothers just hey, we're going to give you a raise. Thank you. You know, you earned it. But we're not gonna. But but you still have seven years left on that deal, and we're gonna stick with that. We'll give you a raise, but we're still working on this seven year deal. Uh, however, and and I think that would have been smart because you'd still owe him a crazy amount of money, but it, it wouldn't be as obscene as it is now. It'd be about half. But you also got to look at what they were looking at at the time, and at the time they just went nine and one. They had the number one recruiting class committed, and LSU wanted him. And LSU's trying to prime away. And do you want to lose your coach and a lot of those guys on the recruiting class after you got some momentum? You know, probably not. So you did what you felt like you had to do. But in the future, you learn from that and you say, hey, you see this brand new building that they haven't even opened yet that's going to put it's it's a it's massive and all the football uh related activities from lifting weights to eating to your training to your study everything's under one roof it's going to be it's going to be amazing and look at the uh at what you have with all your other facilities everywhere you know look at what they they just opened up their indoor their new indoor facility and all this fan sport and they're going to play that play the nil game as much as well as anybody and you got houston dallas and austin all that proximity to recruiting and we're paying you you know eight million dollars and if that's not enough for you, let him go. Good luck. And that's one of the – and to me, what I just described, and going back to what Cedric alluded to a, a few minutes ago, that's why I think Jeff Trailer would be an attractive candidate because, hey, let's start getting somebody in here that wants to be at A&M for – you know, the same reason they say about players. I hear coaches say, well – we want you to be here and not just for NIL. Well, we want, you know, find that coach that wants to be here and not just for the money because mm -hmm. there's a great opportunity here. And I still say there's as good an opportunity here to win big uh, at A&M as there is anywhere, but it's going to take the right coach with the right approach. He can't be a guy that says, Hey, I'm 58 years old and I won it 10 years ago. And so this is how I know works. Yeah. Oh, I know. Well, two other guys they all look at are Lance Leipold and Chris Kleiman. And uh, the Kansas AD won't confirm or deny to me that uh, he's been contacted by A&M. But those two guys are kind of salt-of-the-earth guys. 
that won national championships at lesser uh, levels and and are obviously proving themselves. Yeah, as power five coaches. I don't, I don't, know, I don't see those. I'm not afraid of somebody that won't kick a game time field goal from the four yard line, but uh, if that's what you want, that's what you want. <laughs> I don't know. Looking at one play. Huh? Looking at one play. Okay. I, I don't know if I want any coach from a state that I have to pay a toll just to drive through. Sorry. But, <laughs> but you know what? But, but hey, if you hired one of them, okay. Okay. It's at AM, you cannot. You cannot overreact or underreact. I can't emphasize it enough. It's the time to just say, you know, show us. Just go out and win. I don't care if you're if you've won championships at 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 the highest level or at a secondary level, or if you haven't won championships but you're an up and comer. Whatever whatever you are, it doesn't matter. Just come here, be glad you're here, and win. Yeah, exactly. Somebody vents, and I, and I think uh, I think Trader fits. I think. Climbing fits, I think Leipold fits, but you know, maybe Aaron Glenn's the guy, you know, because they love having somebody with Aggie roots and an Aggie background. So never been Dennis Allen or you're gonna get Dan Campbell, but maybe you get a lot lot of guys have never, you know, Bob Stoops was never a head coach till he was one. Exactly. That's true. Yeah. Nobody was ever a head coach. I mean, say this, I love me some Aaron Glenn. Yeah, but it's, it's it is a little late in the game for your head first head coaching job. I think he's in his fifties. I mean, yeah. so that's, that's a little late, it's, but it's know, a Stoops, big hire for Ross Bort. Younger, but it, I'm not saying it can't work. But I, I would love I would love to see him get the opportunity. So, you know, yeah. if you add if you actually put it on Olam Buchanan, and of course they're not. By the way, I would like to say I'm not I'm not I'm not claiming that he that he did this on on account of me, but after the. Tennessee game where they failed to convert on fourth and one because uh, Max tripped over his his guard's leg. I did ask him, "Hey, coach, uh, is the is the old fashioned quarterback sneak just obsolete?" Remember, so kind of because I I learned that from Kurt Bowles asking John Makovic about the uh, quarterback sneak. Well, anyway, the next week they they uh, have a fourth and short, and what do you think they did? They did the quarterback sneak, and it was a first down. There you <laughs> go, Coach Buchanan. Hey, before we let you go, I need to ask. I need to ask you one question. We got a minute. Okay. Uh, what's your What's your buyout for Texas? Is it seventy six million? No, I have to pay them. <laughs> hey, this this isn't just the all time golden parachute. This is the golden airplane. Oh, okay. you know, you know, you know what? They gambled and they went big. They were like mattress mat. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. But it, but but it was the one where he, where it, where it didn't pay off for. Oh, Thank you. Man. What? You know what? The next one did. That's right. So so you know what? Joe, don't leave the tables. And thanks for being with us, buddy. A little smarter. Thank you, brother. All right. Get us the coach later. <laughs> On second thought. What an what an awesome time! You know, this is this is the fun part, right? Yeah, to be in to be in the middle of November and be in a championship race. Um, I think that our guys have have handled it well up until this point. Like I said, we've been walking into you know road stadiums and understanding the environments are hostile as as anything, and we, we still have this on our chest. It's still our last year in the Big Twelve. We understand all that, but now. There's championship game implications, uh, and I think that our players have really responded to it, and we show great poise, great composure. But it's this is exciting, you know. This is why we get to do what we do to to be chasing a chasing a championship, and um, I know that our that our players are looking forward to another opportunity Saturday night. Duck, the Texas Longhorns are so close to qualifying for the Big 12 championship game and all that stands between them and Jerry World for the time being as Iowa State Cyclones. 9-1 Texas, 6-1 in conference, leading the league, going up against the 6-4, 5-2 Cyclones. And you heard Steve Sarkeesian there talking about killer instinct. Are they going to be able to land a knockout punch against a team that's coming after them, Duck? Yeah, yeah. especially if you listen to the offensive lineman, Jared uh, Hufford, who's saying 
the Longhorns got something in they got something in store for the Longhorns. And you know what, Doug? You know you, you you just mentioned that. Let let let's play that clip. Okay. It's definitely going to be one heck of a farewell present. You know, I think especially they're going to come in here on senior night in the dark. You know, I don't think they really know what is going to be coming for them. I think they'll have to come out and figure it out. But I think just uh, the cycling community names, you know, when it comes to night games, especially against Texas, you know, they've only, they've, what we beat them for out of the last five times they've been here. So they don't have a good record here. Uh, We have a very distasteful in our mouth for them. You know, we definitely want to send them off to the SEC with a, with a, loss on our end but you know it's gonna be a good game come on kid what do you think what do you think kid <laughs> i'm sure matt Campbell they don't know what's coming coming for them that. you just told you just told them what's coming why'd you do that kid well they know what was coming but it's like you didn't have to pour gasoline on it you know matt campbell's got to be beside himself after he <laughs> that so uh Woo, he came after the horn, talked about their ego, and they get all the nice things, and Come man, on. that was pretty strong. That was pretty strong and pretty dumb. Better uh, back Texas, it up. Texas is is a touchdown favorite. Iowa State's going to be tough at the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Jones, who's one of the smarter kids on that team, always very careful about bulletin board material. Very respectful of his opponent. This was the anti-Christian Jones. This is what you don't do. You don't light a fire. Don't poke a sleeping giant. If Texas is not, they're not asleep. They just they just kind of doze off in the fourth quarter at times. Mm-hmm. That's been a problem. But uh, at their core, they're a very talented team with the ability to blow out Iowa State, no matter where they're playing. Yeah, they are. And uh you know, this this may be just a mental thing, you know, because Iowa State has won uh, three of the last four against them. I mean, the last time uh, Sarkeesian went there, it was thirty to seven. It was it was an ugly game, and Texas offensively couldn't do anything, you know. So, you know, I think they'll be more ready. This this guy's diatribe helps, but I think you know, there's a sense of a team rallying behind you know, uh, replacements for Jonathan Brooks. I think, you know, when you have a brother go down, kind of makes you have a little bit more want to. And this is a team that's used to adversity. I mean, Texas was without Quinn Ewers for two games. Now they're going to be without JB. Uh, uh, minimum of three games where they make the Big 12 title game at all and maybe four or five games. So, and they've played without Ryan Watts. They play without Catalan. They played the Oklahoma game without Jake Majors, their center. So Dade Barron is, is limping around. Dade Barron is limping around. You're right. And they've had a, a lot of injuries. So I think they're kind of used to that. But uh what the the depth of this team and kind of how cohesive uh they have been have been impressive to me. And I, I love I love that Steve Sarkeesian has taken ownership of the fact that they have not closed these games well. He's got to look inside himself and uh, mm-hmm. what what's my play calling like with a big lead and how did I get here and and why why is my foot coming off the gas somehow? And um, you can you can excuse it off, you can play it off as oh teams are throwing more because they're behind and that's why the pass defense is is porous. That pass defense is porous because that pass defense is porous. And sometimes the, the pass rush isn't getting there, and that's leaving some of these guys on islands. And we know they're not 100% back there. They're banged up back there. So uh, I I think the onus is going to be on the defense to set the tone for this game, Duck. And I think that if they if they get after Rocco at the beginning of this game, uh, and 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 get that clock in his head speed up, speed it up the quarterback. Uh, that's going to make things a lot easier for them moving forward. He's a good young quarterback, but he ain't Brock Purdy. No, and that's Texas' biggest advantage probably lies in uh, the quarterback position. The fact that Quinn Ewers has been the starter for two years and he's going up against a true freshman. Plus, I just think Texas playmakers even without. Jonathan Brooks are so much better than Iowa State's. They don't have a Brees Hall. Uh, and Texas is a very deep running back room. And obviously, you, you got to pick your poison with, you know, Worthy or 
uh, Mitchell or Sanders or Whittington, you and I both know how many weapons they have. So, you know, it's just, they, I think they let up emotionally too, Sid. And I think you could say that's a maturity thing, a composure thing, because, you know, I mean, Georgia's won, what is it now, 27 in a row? I mean, they don't let up, you know. And I don't know if that's it's, if it's kind of a player-led thing where they got to get on each other and say, hey, you need to pick it up because uh, that lack of intensity. And, and they, I'll guarantee you, they looked flat in that second half against TCU. They did. Just, they did. Too many, too many times they feel like they've got it won. And uh, I would blame Pete Kwiatkowski as much as I would Sarkeesian for that. Uh, the good news is, despite these scares, like you said, they're 9-1. And, and they're getting so close to, you know, being able to get to Arlington to play for the last Big 12 title that Texas and OU is a part of. So I just I just said, don't think they're going to let it get away against a good but not great Iowa State team. I'm picking them. Uh, I don't think it's going to be easy. I think no. Quinn yours, and I wrote earlier this week, Doug, that Quinn yours needs to needs to step step up mm-hmm. uh, and meet the hype that's come with that name. This is your chance, kid, to show that you're as good as some of those NFL draft uh, prognosticators thought you were before the season. Top ten overall pick. We'll agree that he's he's fallen off of that. The injury had something to do with it. But he, but he hasn't, he hasn't been a world beater this season. Um, decent quarterback who's, I think, can play in the NFL. But I don't think in this particular class where quarterbacks are falling from the sky, that that he's a, one of the elite guys. I think, um, I think he's probably the leading leading the pack in that second group. So, um, what do you think his mindset is, and um, do you think that he that Quinn yours? understands that okay i've got x i've got ad mitchell i've got jatavian sanders i got jay wick i can dump it off to one of these talented backs does he understand that he's got all the all the keys all the toys at his disposal and that he has a chance to have a great game i think he does because the way his teammates talk about him i mean we don't get to see practices we're not in the locker room but from everything his teammates say about him, he's the real deal, and he's engaged. Even when he was hurt, he was just, you know, propping up other players and thing. And you mentioned about where he stands among the elite quarterbacks in college football, and I think you agree with me. And if he does come back, which is how it looks like he's leaning, it makes so much sense because he can help himself by coming back. There's a glut of not just good, but maybe really good, if not great quarterbacks that are becoming out, you know, just go down to Caleb Williams, Drake May, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, uh, you know, Jaden Daniels, LSU. I mean, so great class. A great class. So it'd be smart for him to come back. And, you know, I know people go, well, and I think if he does come back, I think Malik Murphy would probably leave. And I think Arch Manning would probably stay. And uh, because, you know, both those guys are chopping at the bit to get on the field. But it does make sense to me that he uh, might, might have some unfinished business and he can help himself by coming back for another year. Do you think that they would tell Quinn that he's a starter coming back for another year? Not tell us. I'm saying behind the scenes uh, because he's gone. He'll be a senior. And is he coming back to a job? Because I know that kid, Manning, did not come here to sit for two years, Doug. Well, and, they, they and, and here's the thing, and let, before you answer this question, I'm I'm putting it to you straight, player to player, pimp to pimp. Is is this generation the same as the other generations that say, "Well, I'm going in there and I'm going to fight for this job," but this is the NIL generation, Duck, and a lot of these kids kind of like a, a parents also. They kind of like assurances that my boy's going to be the guy. And I'm not saying they told the Mannings that that Arch would be the guy, but I felt like there was a there was an understanding that Quinn might be leaving after his junior year, and that might not happen now because he got hurt and he doesn't have a lot of tape. Well, 
I think the Manning family is different. There aren't this kind of the first family of American football. Absolutely. But you consider, you know, start with Arch, then go down to to Peyton and Eli and Cooper and now uh Arch. I think I don't think they're in any hurry. You know, I think they see the big picture that you know, Peyton stayed for a long time at Tennessee. It's and, been uh, two years though. Yeah, I just think well. You don't know if he's sitting for two years. Quinn gets hurt every year. And if Malik leaves, you know, they're I both. Think leave, I think Malik's leaving either way. I, I think, think he's the man that's, I think he's the man that's, that's the odd man. He's the odd man out. I think he's leaving. So yeah. I don't think it'll ever be his. Uh, and yeah, because they don't have to tell Quinn he's the starting quarterback next year. He is the starting quarterback. You're not going to bench a two year starter. You know, I don't know anybody. Not even if the kids out playing him. Which kid? Arch. Well, he's not in the game, so it's I'm at all hypothetical. If, if he just blows it away in training camp and I place Quinn yours, you don't think Sark no. will pull that trigger? No, no, because he hadn't seen it on the field. You know, I think so. he stick with Quinn. I mean, everybody thinks he's an NFL quarterback. You know, first round, second round, maybe he'd slide to third, maybe, but probably not. He'd probably be in the first two rounds, so I don't think – I don't think there is a coach who would bench uh, a two-year starter for somebody who's a five-star and has great potential and upside. So, but I, I think uh, I think Arch would stay, and I think I agree with you. I think Malik would leave. Yeah. So, well, before we get out of here, what do you but, think? Yeah. What, what do you, what do you, what do you think um, is the besides the Jonathan Brooks injury? And Quinn, what we just talked about. If there's one area that you are the most concerned about going into this <laughs> game, into a hostile environment with Jared Hufford coming after you, um, <laughs> what would it be, Doug? Oh, I think it's the Texas secondary because they've given given up explosive plays, big chunk plays with regularity. They haven't stopped the crossing routes, and that's the one thing that has been uh, a liability for too much of the year. I mean, Oklahoma. And then and, – and, and that was a game where, you know, they let them go length of the field, 75 yards in less than a minute. You know, you can't do that. So – and I put Kwiatkowski in that equation too, that I think pass defense and quits Kwiatkowski's failure to adjust and to stay aggressive would be the biggest concern I'd have for the rest of this season for Texas. What say you? Uh that that's my biggest concern. Um and and you know they they the pass rush comes and goes. It comes and goes. Yeah. It's not a faucet. Yeah. It's not a, an ever flowing faucet. It gets a little drippy, duck, that pass rush does. And yeah. so it's where it starts at the at the very front of that line. It starts with with Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Vernon Broaden, A.C. Collins. It starts with those guys, Ethan Burke, the young A. Hill on the edge, Baron Sorrell, who comes and goes. Those guys have to generate some heat up front. And if they can generate that heat, it all falls into place after that. You can't ask these cornerbacks to stay on an island for long because um, there's some good guys back there. And Jade, but Jade uh, is gimpy. Uh, and and the other guys, uh, we know Watts isn't a hundred percent, and and Carolina's not even playing. And so Keaton Crawford just came back. They mm-hmm. are beaten up back there, and uh, Terrence Brooks, Jaron Thompson um, have had some dubious moments, and not in a good and way. I, I think said so the second worry is the run blocking by the offensive line. They've been good at pass protection. They've had two straight games where they haven't given up a sack. And as you said, the pass rush has not been a constant, but they've had 11 sacks in the last four games. So it seems to be picking up somewhat, but you know, they've got to create some holes because, you know, Jonathan Brooks is amazing about finding a very small crease and, feet in the hole too, um, vision, lateral movement. And he keeps those chains uh, moving. So they've got to, they've got to, block better up front uh, in the run. I think that's my second biggest concern of all. 
I, I think we're together on this, that we, we think they're going to win. Our colleague Thomas Jones is picking Iowa State. Uh, we heard that on Longhorn Confidential, but uh, we, I think, I think they're going to figure it out, and I think Quinn's going to, going to be the the barometer. If Quinn does not play well, they're not going to win this game. Right. They're not going to win this game because in the games that Quinn doesn't play well, he turns a ball over. Mm-hmm. He's not just inaccurate, but he's a turnover. He throws a ball into Did he go the back to Oklahoma State last year. Yes, you know? yes. So he like seventeen uh, to thirty nine. We know he's got fresh legs. Uh, he just mm-hmm. came back. He's a little sore, but he's good to go. I think it's going to be a mid a Midwest slobber knocker in the heartland. It's not going to be a showcase for offense. These yeah. are the kind of games that the Texas Longhorns are going to be playing. This is just who they are, Doug. Yeah, I'd I see a score probably in the 20s. Mm-hmm. You know, going to be cold. And uh, Bert Arvin, you know, is – boy. Uh, your boy, leg. yeah, I wrote about him this week. So, uh, yeah, it, it just kind of has a feel like to me, like 27 24 Texas, something like that, with a lot of anxious moments in the fourth quarter. Well, we, I will be there with Daniel Davis and the Duck. Uh, I mean, not the Duck, Daniel Davis, Thomas Jones, young Caleb Young. You're not going to be on this trip, Duck. Where are you going to, what are you going to do this weekend? Are you going to curl up by the fire and watch college football? Or are you going to, are you going to sneak off to Australia for three days? No, I'll probably hang close to the crib here and <laughs> watch some football. Oh, man, that's going to be fun, man. Well, we will miss you out there. Uh, I know you won't miss Ames, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, but we will be back uh, for the holiday edition of On Second Thought next week. Uh, hopefully a Longhorn legend that's been on the show before. We're, we're uh, in talks with him. You will love him because we love him. Uh, but we got to thank Olin Buchanan for joining us today, giving us the the tea on the Jimbo Fisher situation in College Station, and also our esteemed producer Chandler Hoffley, who really makes us look good, which is virtually impossible. <laughs> that no easy for this week. Uh, thanks to you guys for listening in and joining us for the Duck Kirk Bowles. I'm Seth Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.